0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. It's such a beautiful day. Uh, amen. Just a, a wonderful day to be outside the house of the Lord. Um, and we are excited to worship uh, together today. Appreciate uh, just the music this morning and uh, just encourage you to be praying for Wayne. Wayne's been blessing us with uh, his voice over uh, the last several weeks, and uh, he'll be having a surgery on his throat coming up uh, pretty soon. And uh, just uh, remember him in prayer, and, and that all that comes out well. We'll be uh, without him for a, a month or so during that, but we uh, are just grateful for you, Wayne. We're grateful for, uh, for all those that have been uh, just faithfully leading us in, in worship from our crossover band, from our traditional. Sanctuary, we've been we've been just uh, blessed by all uh, of you and and grateful for that um, this morning. So I uh, want to just share a quick story. There's a lady named Florence Chadwick, and she was an incredible swimmer. Uh, some of you students that are here are uh, swimmers. Thank you are uh, part of a swim team, and she was born in 1918. And at the age of 32, she swam across the English Channel from France to England in, get this, 13 hours and 23 minutes. Like, I swam a lap one time, and (laughs) I was done. So I was reading that, and and in 1952, something very neat happened. She attempted to swim the 26-mile distance between Catalina Island and the California coastline. And as she swam, it was kind of one of those situations where they had boats that were Coming alongside her, I think about swimming 26 miles. And so there's these boats that are flanked on each side and they're uh, coming beside her. And on one of those boats was her mom. And I can imagine that as she was swimming that there was encouragement coming uh, from all around. These boats that were uh, beside her and and they were ready if she needed help. And uh, maybe to watch for uh, sharks that might be out in the water and all those kind of things. And after about 15 hours, she'd been swimming for 15 hours. And after about 15 hours, there was a just dense fog that came in. And she began to be surrounded in that fog. And the fog was was kind of closing in. And she began to grow Weary, She looked up and she told her mom, who was in one of the boats, and she said, I don't think I can make it. She swam another hour, and I'm sure her mom was cheering her on to finish, and she swam another hour before she asked to be pulled out. And it was interesting, as she got on the boat, she began to uh, talk to them, and she found out that she was only a mile from the shore. Only a mile from that beautiful shore that she had been swimming for, that she was almost there, but in the midst of the fog, it had just gotten cloudy, and she had grown weary. Two months later, she tried again, and this same fog, this same fog set in, but it was a different story this time. When that dense fog came in, she began to swim even harder, and uh, she shared that she had kept this beautiful picture in her mind of that coastline that she had seen uh, that day, and and as she swam, I can imagine in her mind that she could see that shore was coming, and she would uh, think, you know what, I'm closer than it seems, even though I can't see in the midst of this moment that I'm not as far away as it feels like in the midst of this And I want to encourage you this morning that the shore is coming, right? The king is coming and home is closer than we think. That it's not uh, so far uh, from us. It's not as far sometimes as it may seem in the midst of our trials and in the midst of the difficult things that we And we're walking through the book of James. We're going to be continuing in James chapter 5. And these believers, they were in need uh, of some encouragement. They had been facing uh, difficulties on the journey. He's uh, shared about those that were maybe being taken advantage of uh, by the wealthy. And he is uh, speaking to these people. and, And they needed a picture. They needed a reminder that the journey they were on was worth every moment. That the trials of this life, that they're working a far exceeding weight of glory. In the eternal, And they needed a reminder that the shoreline was in sight. And so I want to encourage you this morning not to grow weary, not to give up. And notice he didn't say, we're going to look in, in James chapter 5 beginning in verse 7, and notice that he didn't say your trials are over, that all these things that you're facing are done, but he gives them some encouragement, and we've heard it in song uh, this morning, but he gives them some encouragement, and he gives them a command in the midst of that, and in verse 7 of James chapter 5, he says this, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. So James writes to them and he says, hey, you're going through all these difficulties, but he says, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And what he's saying, and mercy is coming. Justice is coming. All of these uh, trials that you're in, you're going to see that they're, they're worth every moment because Jesus is coming. And as I began to pray about this, I'm going to share at the end sort of how I landed on this title, but in the midst of this, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading this scripture and something happened that I'll share uh, toward the end, but I, but I wrote down these words, wait with grace. And I want to encourage you this morning as we wait on the return of Christ and as we're expectant that the shoreline is close at hand, that we might be a people that wait with grace. I want to encourage you that he's going to take those things that are broken and he's going to make them new. He's going to take disappointment that we face in this life and he's going to turn it uh, from discouragement to joy he's gonna take the heartache that we have maybe many of us have experienced in this life and the loss of of loved ones in the different things that we walk through and he's gonna make all things new that there'll be no more sickness and no more heartache and no more pain and no more suffering all those things will be waiting so he says therefore be patient brethren until the coming of the Lord I love that word patient I began to look at that word and think about what does that mean Right, and really, that's the the three word definition that I gave you. That's my definition of patience. It's waiting with grace. Now, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's going to tell you this to be able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. How many of us are good at that? Like, I'm just thinking, like, the ability. To accept or tolerate delays, I I get aggravated in the drive-through if I'm honest. Sometimes, if there's a a delay, I've shared with you before. There's something about pulling up to a drive-through and not having anybody behind me and them telling me to pull to the to the next spot up there that I just can't understand. I'm thinking, there's nobody behind me. Why should I go wait up there somewhere? And I think about those things. I'm thinking, why is that? Why why do we do those kind of things? If we're honest, we can get I'm waiting on somebody to cook me food, and I'm not being patient in those moments. And when we think about that, the the word that is used in the original language is makrothameo. And this word is is a word that means to be even-tempered. Even-tempered. So I want you to think about how well we wait. And and this word is that we would be even-tempered in trying circumstances. Now, there's something interesting about the way this verb comes out. That it's an imperative, and this, this challenge to us is not like an option. It's not like God's Word is telling us here that as you wait for the return of Christ, and, and as you walk in this life that, you know, you might want to think about, being patient. You might want to think about how you're doing. It's not the kind of language that's there. It's a command to followers of Jesus Christ that says, as you wait for the glorious return of Jesus Christ, that you are to be patient, that you are to be even-tempered while enduring trying circumstances. Now, this is a command that we wait with Grace. I think about how well we're doing that. Maybe if you're a kid out there, my, my little boy I shared a few weeks ago, we were talking about the coronavirus, and he said, Dad, I'm more, I'm more afraid of being bored than I am the coronavirus because I, I stay bored in the midst of this. And he's talking about, man, we, we don't wait very well. And it's good for our kids to have idle time. It's good for us to have time that's not packed in with all these things because we don't know how to wait any more. You know, we live in an instant society. It doesn't take but a moment to see that. We can, you know, we can go on an app and and somehow Walmart knows what we have ordered and paid for in the past. And we go on an app and order all that stuff and pull up to a little line and call a number and somebody will bring our groceries out to the car. We are in a society that doesn't like to wait for anything And James writes to these believers, to his friends that are going through suffering times, that are going through difficulties, and he says, be patient because the Lord is coming. And then he gives us this example. And I love this example. He continues in that same verse. He says, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains now he he says that the the farmer waits for the harvest and you know i I remember growing up and our family we we had gardens my mom's right over here and, and we had gardens i can remember my grandfather he had gardens and it was just a few miles down the road and where we lived i could get on my motorcycle and I could ride down by the river, off the river, and I could go across that road to where my grandpa's house was. And, and he had the most amazing gardens. He had a tractor. And and I was little. I used to think he like, could build a ramp for it. I thought he was going to jump his garden. Like, I would go over there because I thought this thing's... I, and I figured out how slow a tractor was. But... But I would look at all those things, and I can remember as we would uh, plant these gardens, and, and and I would get to go over there, and I was when you're a young kid, really, a lot of that doesn't excite you, because there's a time that you've got to take those seeds, and, and he would break up that rough ground, and we'd break up that rough ground in our house, and then all of a sudden, we'd put those rows in there, and there was a certain amount of depth, and, and you would get out there, and you would plant those seeds, or you would take those uh, tomato plants, or you would do all those kind of things, and it was hard work. So in the midst of some of that, sometimes I didn't really want to deal with the work and so I'm trying to look in my little stash bag here so i, I would i would ask about some things and my mom's gonna remember this pretty well so this is a wonderful ice pop and so when you're hot and you're out there working in the garden and if you're a kid some of you may have heard an excuse if you're a parent and you may say hey we're working on something the kids are like oh uh, i'll be out right there I, I gotta go to the bathroom right anything to get out of work right kids will do that sometimes and i would be out in the garden i, I saw some parents look at some kids in that moment and and so we see those kind of things happening so i'm out in the garden and, and we'd be planting those seeds and i'd get kind of tired and i would look over at my dad and i'd say dad i say you want an ice pop because the reality was that the work was kind of getting tough, and, and I enjoyed some, some ice pops on the journey. And so he'd say, yes, and I, I believe I'd like an ice pop. And so I'd go get that ice pop, and we'd all eat that ice pop. I'd put two or three more uh, little plants in the ground, you know, and then I'd look over at my dad, and I'd say, Dad, you want an ice pop? He'd say, yes, son, I believe I want an ice pop. Finally, my mom, after a while, she'd get tired of that, and she'd say, your daddy don't want no ice pop. And I remember looking at him, I'd say, he did, too. You got on to him, right, but, But in the journey, right, we... We get weary in the midst of that. But there was a time that I loved so very much. I, I could I could think about it, and this time was awesome. I'd ride over to my grandpa's house, and, and when I would get there, I, I was thinking about this on Friday, and I, it brought me to tears just thinking because I remember being a little kid, and I'd follow him through that garden. And it was harvest time, and there's one thing that's better than anything else in the entire garden, and it's corn on the cob. And he would plant this corn on the cob, and all of a sudden, it'd be time for the harvest. And so I, as a little boy, would follow my big old giant. grandpa, and he'd be going through uh, that uh, field, and all of a sudden, we'd pull off these ears of corn, and he planted silver queen corn. That was his favorite corn, and he would plant that off, and I can remember following him out in the garden, and we would peel this off, and we would eat in the middle of the garden, right? We would eat it without washing it. We'd eat it without doing anything, right? We'd eat it just as fast as we could eat it, and then we'd go inside, and we'd cook it, and we'd eat corn for the longest time, and we'd I didn't really like stringing beans and doing some of that stuff, but I enjoyed the harvest, right? I go get a popsicle when they started that bean stringing stuff, but I enjoyed the harvest. I enjoyed those moments. You know, this weekend, I want to introduce to you a friend. This is Tina. (laughs) This is officially out of Cowie Valley down here. This is a zucchini that that I'm not sure. I'm not 100% positive, but I believe this could be the world record zucchini, Uh, that I hold in my hand this morning came just down the road. Hope had a birthday on Friday, and actually this was one of her birthday presents from one of her little friends that lives in Cali Valley. And so she named it Tina, and I'm thinking we're going to be able to eat on this thing for a long time. And I I was just thinking, you know, the harvest really is worth all the trouble. It's worth all the wait. And that's what James says to uh, people. He says, you know what? The Lord is coming and there's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming that is worth all the trials. It's worth all the wait. And he, he says, this, and the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soul, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. He says, you know what? There's, there's something that is great that is coming. And he says, you too be patient. Verse 8, he says, listen, there's a harvest coming that is worth the wait. He says, you too be patient, strengthen your hearts. I love this thought, strengthen your hearts. He said, hang in there, don't give up, for the coming of the Lord is near. Now think about this, this strengthening of our hearts. It's this firm resolution, right, that we have in our hearts and we need to hold some things tightly as followers of jesus christ we need to, there needs to be some things about this life that we say you know what these are uh, these things i'm going to hold tight and i'm going to die on those hills and i'm going to stand on that we're saved by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone the, the message of the gospel these things we are going to be uh core on i, I love in uh in, in the book of daniel as we see this young uh Young man, living for Jesus, the Scripture says that he purposed in his heart that there was a time before he was in the midst of the trials that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself right in the midst of Babylon. He he said, you know what? I'm going to be in the midst of uh, this place, but he said, I I purposed in my heart long before now that I'm not going to bow down to the things of this world, that I'm not going to I'm not going to defile myself with the king's diet, I'm not going to do any of those kind of things. And so we see that kind of wording, and we see that uh, we need to strengthen our heart and we need to stand on those things that we. Uh, that are core in the midst of that. Then in verse 9, he says, and, and, and you know, I think about this farmer, right? He, he says, listen, be patient. Wait with grace. There's a harvest coming. Stand firm in the midst of these moments. Strengthen your heart. And then verse 9, he says, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. He says, be patient, wait with grace. What does it look like for us as followers of Jesus Christ in the current climate that we are in, in the current conditions that we are in, to wait on the return of Christ and to be a people that would be described as patient, as even tempered in the midst of this time that we wait, standing firm on the truths of the gospel, standing firm on the core of of God's word, that that God's word is going to be our major, that that we're going to base everything that we do on His word and His word alone. And, And as as we do that, we're going to strengthen our hearts. We're going to be even tempered. We're going to wait with grace. I, I want to ask you: How can we tell if we're waiting with grace? Maybe that's a better uh, a better thing that we could ask. How can we tell if we're waiting with grace? Number one is we're going to see unity instead of division. When when he says not to be uh, grumbling with one another, not to be in those kind of things, he it's evident that that God desires that His church be unified. Unity, though, can I remind you? is not uniformity. Unity doesn't mean that in every single thing, in every part of our life, and in every way we view everything, that it's all going to look exactly the same in the body of Christ. But that as we serve and love one another, that even though we may have differences on the opinions of certain things, that our heart is that we might wait with grace, that we might consider uh, others above ourselves. And he says, you know what? We're not complaining against one another because God, God is coming, and he desires to find us unified in his body. He desires that. He says in verse 10, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patient, taste the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful, right? As we look back to the prophets, they, can I remind you that those prophets, they've been enjoying uh, the presence of the Lord, right? That their uh, pastors think that there were prophets that were sent in. They say, you know what? These people are stiff-necked. You're going to go in and you're going to preach. They ain't going to listen to a thing you say, but I want you to go anyway because it honors me. And he said, I want you to think about those prophets. And then he says, think about the endurance of Job. And, and he says, God is full of compassion and mercy. And we don't have time to get into all those things this, this morning, but but God is not absent in the midst of the hard times. He is not absent in the midst of the difficulties that we Face, and in light of the glory that awaits us, all the trials and all the difficulties and all the things that we face in this life, they remind us. Remember a couple weeks ago, we said we are citizens of a different kingdom. And, uh, and I want to remind you that we are not home yet. And James says, be patient and waiting for the coming of the Lord, because we are not home yet. Above all, he says in verse 12, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under judgment. And, and here we see that we are to be a people that wait with grace and so we we know that in the midst of that we should see unity instead of division and we should be a people that stand on truth and i want to tell you the way that we understand if we're standing on truth is that we measure it against god's word and as pastor ron showed as he was looking in the book of philippians he said we are to be uh, imitators of christ now, when you think about that, if we want to reflect the image of Christ to this world in the way that we uh, live our lives, because the Christian life, remember, is not about uh, us living for Jesus, but Jesus living his life in and through us, then we should be imitators of Jesus. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So there's a combination. And so we, as, as followers of Jesus Christ that are waiting on the Lord's return, we should be a people that wait with grace and truth people that won't compromise their character for comfort, people that will be like Daniel, that will say, you know what, I'm not going to find myself with the kings, but I'm going to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God, as a citizen, as I live as a citizen of the United States of America, I'm going to live in my values and my world and everything that I do. I'm going to base my values and everything on uh, God's word and his truth, and I'm going to live my life in a way that's even-tempered, that is declaring the goodness and the graciousness of our God. I'm going to wait with grace, and truth, trusting that God is sovereign. Right, as we looked at the life of Joseph, we saw God is working even when we can't see it. And and the king is coming. We're going to be trusting. Number two, we're going to be telling. We've got a message that we are to share. And the message is clear. And the message is worth everything. The message is worth standing on and protecting with all that we do. And we want to do that together. We've got to be careful that we don't let the trials of this life. See, that's what James was talking to them about. He said, listen, you're walking through different trials. The king is coming. The shore is closer than you think. And as he comes back, don't be found divided, church. Don't be found grumbling over unnecessary things. Don't be found in the midst of those things because there are some things that we have got to stand on, but we cannot let other things divide us, right? We cannot let uh, our opinions on certain things divide us. We cannot let... Listen, we've got to be careful that we stand on the Word of God and where God's Word is clear. We stand with everything that we have. And we've got to be careful that we don't take just convictions that we may have that are personal convictions and then make them uh, something that we say, you know what, this is what God's Word says when it's not clear in there. We've got to be careful that we don't take just personal convictions and make them a standard for everyone else in our life. Uh, All those things, we've got to be careful because we are the body of Christ. We are unified, but but we're not uniform. We're on mission for the glory of God. Of his name. So, what does it look like for us to wait with grace? What does it look like for us to wait in these moments? I want to tell you what it looked like for one family, and where the sermon title came from this morning. A couple of weeks ago, um, many of you know Reggie Holland and uh, knew Reggie, and even those that may not have may have heard about his death. And a couple of weeks ago, on the day of his funeral, some people started reaching out to me and uh, said, Reggie's wife, Tammy, is trying to get a hold of you, and I was sitting in my office that morning, and I was reading James chapter 5, and I just finished reading these verses, and I picked up the phone, and I called, and I got a hold of Tammy, and whenever I began to talk to her, she said, Jason, I need you to do something for me. And I said, Miss Tammy, I'll I'll do anything I can. I said, I'm so sorry. Just just hearing about Reggie and, listen, we're praying for you. And she said, I need you to do something for you. She said, Reggie's funeral is this afternoon. She said, I need to get a message to someone. She said, I feel like you're the one that's supposed to help me do that. And there was a reason for that that she shared and just a connection that she had seen that maybe I had. And there was a young man that had pulled out in front of Reggie on a motorcycle, and Reggie was on the motorcycle, and the, the young man was in a vehicle, and and when he did, Reggie was killed by that accident, and she said, before I go, and man, my heart was just touched so much. She said, before today, I go to this funeral, and we have Reggie's funeral. She said, I need to get this message out. She said, I need for him to know that I said I need for that young man to know that I love him, that my family loves him, that that we forgive, and that we want him to know that he is loved, and we're not mad, and we're not upset with him, and we forgive him. And she said I need for him to know this message, and I was thinking about what it looks like to wait on the Lord's return. And she said we know where Reggie is, and as I heard those things, and I was talking to her, and I made. This comment, and I was in tears. She was in tears, and I said, You know what? I said, I am honored to do that. I said, I'm not sure who this person is and how all this connection, but I'm gonna do my best to get this message to him. And she said, I hate to even ask you to do this. She said, I, I hate so much to say, you know, and, and put this on you. She said, But I really feel like this is what is supposed to happen. And so I began to uh, talk to her a little bit more, and I made this comment. And as I made the comment, I didn't really realize what I said. And I said, Miss Tammy, I said, I want you to know I'm honored to do this. And I said, there are things that I do as a pastor that are difficult sometimes, but it is easy to extend grace. And as I thought about that and what I said, what I was meaning was, is for me, for me, it would be very easy for me to go and share this message of grace and forgiveness because the reality is that it didn't cost me anything. That it was a, that that message of grace and forgiveness was not something that had any expense to mean, I said, Miss Tammy, I'm sorry. I said, I didn't really mean that the way I said it. It's very easy for me to extend grace, but I can't imagine how difficult it is in this moment for you to extend grace. And she said, Jason, no, you're, you said it exactly right. And she said, there's something supernatural. She said, about this moment, she said, but it is the easiest thing that I have ever done. She said, and I am honored to extend this grace. She said, it is easy to extend grace. And so I want to encourage you that in the midst of this life, when you think so many things are uh, coming at you and there's so many things that that are happening in our life, that with God on the inside, with Christ on the inside, it is easy to extend grace. When we, in humility, understand how much of our life is a product of His grace, then we start to think about, uh, we, we, we start getting in a place where we're not thinking so much about what we deserve, and we began to count the needs of others more significant than our own because that's what Jesus did for us. Now, do you remember when we were walking through that passage and we said that we are ambassadors of Christ, right, that we have been given a message, right, of reconciliation, that we've been reconciled by God, and that, that, that we are his ambassadors as though he was making an appeal through us. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, have been entrusted with the greatest message that has ever been given and the greatest cost that was ever paid as Jesus died for us in our place. And God has given us a message. Jesus said, he said, said, you will become witnesses, right? He said, He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Judea, and Samaria, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the world. He said, you're going to go and make disciples, and I'm going to be with you in the midst of that, even to the ends of the earth. And Paul said, listen, it is is a message of reconciliation that has been given, a message of forgiveness. And I thought that day, and I called, and I began to make those contacts. And I began to talk uh, to a dad of his son, and I began to share this message. And I said, you know... I said, is this your son? And he said, yes, he's my son. Then I began to talk to him. And I said, listen, I have a message that needs to get to him. And I, I want to begin to share that. And I had a message of grace and forgiveness and reconciliation. And I, as uh, in the position that I was and because I was entrusted by this family, that I might carry a gift of forgiveness and I might deliver it to somebody that, that, that may uh, have never dreamed that I might receive that gift then I want to tell you that even greater than that, we have a gift of forgiveness that we as followers of Jesus Christ have been entrusted to deliver by the King of kings and Lord of lords, that he stepped out from the throne room of heaven, that he humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. And, And those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have been forgiven, and he has given us a message of forgiveness that we might deliver to this world. I want you to know that there was an urgency that morning. There was an urgency that day as I got off the phone with Tammy and I said, I've got to do my very best. Man, there was a wait that I said, you know what? I have a message that someone needs to hear. And that message needs to get to them right now. I mean, as soon as you possibly can. So I began to figure out how to get a hold of people. And I began to make phone calls because there was an urgency about that moment. And I want you to understand that Jesus is coming soon. It doesn't take long for us to look around and see that we are seeing the words of Scripture unfold. I can't tell you when, and if anybody decides that they can, don't listen to them. They don't know, and we don't understand, but we know that Jesus is coming soon. That there are people all around us that need desperately to hear the message of forgiveness, a gift of forgiveness, a gift of grace. That doesn't cost us anything. Can I remind you that it was given and bought and paid for by the precious blood of Christ. And as we go through this life, we have a message that the world is desperate to hear. And I pray that this morning the church would be in a spot that we would say, you know what, I understand that I have a message. And that message is a gift of forgiveness. And it is easy to deliver. It is easy to Deliver. But its cost was high. And it's because of that high cost that it is easy to deliver. That we were well deserving of the wrath of God. But God in his mercy, he poured it all out on Jesus in our place. I deserved death, but Jesus took my... <laughs> Place, and He's given me the ability to share and proclaim the good news of who He is. May we be a people that'll recognize that that's the message. The urgency is great, but it is easy to extend grace. I want to ask you to just pray with me for a moment. I want to I want to encourage you. Just wherever you're at, maybe you're. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're sitting in the parking lot or in your car. and I want to ask you just to take a moment and be still before the Lord. If you've never, if you've never had a relationship with Jesus, if there's never been a time in your life that you recognize that you deserved the wrath of God, that you, Scripture says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the, the just punishment and the wages of sin is death, separation from God eternally. And we recognize that that's what we are deserving of. But God in his love and mercy made a way for us to be forgiven, for us to be made right with God, not because of what we've done, not because of anything we could do, but simply by his grace. If you've never trusted Jesus, if you've been trying to earn your way and merit your way and do all these things to get to heaven to be able to get uh, to, to do good enough to where some way maybe you feel like your good can outweigh your bad i want you to understand that none of those things can we can never we can never earn our way to heaven we can never in our own merit earn our forgiveness we can never do any of those things but the price was already paid Scripture says he became sin who knew no sin. Jesus became the very thing that he hated, the very thing that God hated. He became sin. He became sin on our behalf. And he endured the wrath and punishment of a holy God. See, at the cross, not only was God's love demonstrated that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, but his holiness and his wrath and his justice Perfectly intersected on the cross and it enabled a way for you and I to receive grace and forgiveness Not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus did That's why the message of grace the message of forgiveness is easy for us to share Because it cost us nothing Jesus paid it all if you've never trusted Jesus for salvation if you've never Surrendered uh, your life to Christ. I want to invite you even in these moments uh, to turn from your sin, just to say, you know what? I know uh, that I've been going the wrong direction, and I repent of my sin. I, I turn. Uh, I've going, been going one direction, and I turn, and I surrender my life to Jesus. Not uh, anything that I could do to earn my salvation, but I trust and believe in the work of the cross, and I accept the gift of forgiveness, the, the offer of salvation. And I want to invite you to call on his name even in these moments. Maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're here with us on site. Scripture says, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we could be saved. And if that's you, call on his name even in these moments. There's a gift of forgiveness that I'm here to deliver this morning, uh, and the gift was paid and purchased by the blood of Christ. And for the church that gathers this morning, if you Maybe in the midst of all the craziness that's going on, there's a fog that has settled in. Maybe you've grown weary and maybe you've just get, gotten tired in the midst and how easy it is to do that. I pray that the picture of the glory of heaven, that the grace of our Lord Jesus, that we might be able to see that shoreline through the fog, that, that we might be able to see that the King is coming and and there's a time that mercy is coming, that justice is coming in until that day that we want to be committed to declaring the message of the hope of the gospel, that we would be committed to delivering that gift of forgiveness. And I want to encourage you this morning uh, just to commit to that, to say, you know what, I've been distracted by the fog, but the king is coming, and, and I know he's coming for me, and I, I want to be found obedient when he comes. I want to do two things. I want to uh, invite Kelly to come and make a couple of announcements uh, just to, um, uh, to prepare to send us off. Uh, and then I'd like for, for that quartet to come back and just sing uh, that last song again. And I'd like for us just to stay and worship the, the Lord together, just being reminded that the King is coming, and then we will be dismissed. If we can help you in any way, if we can be praying for you, uh, if, if you have made a decision to follow Christ as you've uh, heard, or maybe you have questions about what that means, reach out to us, whether it be on Facebook, church online, whatever uh, ways we long to uh, come alongside you in any way, that we can but we we be found about our father's business not grumbling not uh in, in the midst of all kind of craziness when he returns but a people on mission for the glory of his name thank you Kevin.